Hi, and welcome to Off the Charts, the podcast of the Energy Policy Institute at the University of Chicago. I'm EPIC's Executive Director, Sam Ory. Air pollution is the single greatest threat to human health globally, having a more devastating impact on life expectancy than communicable diseases like tuberculosis and HIV AIDS, behavioral killers like cigarette smoking, and even war. According to recent data from EPIC's Air Quality Life Index, or AQLI, People living in the most polluted regions of the world could see their lives cut short by five years or more from breathing dirty air. To dive deeper into the problem of air pollution and what policymakers are doing to confront it, EPIC will occasionally feature conversations with AQLI's director, Ken Lee, and various government officials, advocates, health experts, and others dedicated to reducing air pollution in the countries where they live. For our first conversation in this series, Ken talks with Gaurav Gogoi, an Indian member of parliament who has been a vocal advocate for clean air. Let's listen into their conversation. Hi, everybody. India is today the world's most polluted country. In fact, all of India's 1.3 billion people live in areas uh, where the average PM 2.5 concentration level exceeds the WHO guideline. In some parts of northern India, air pollution levels are 11 to 12 times higher than the WHO standard. Now, this is a serious problem because PM2.5, particulate matter air pollution, is incredibly dangerous for our health. It causes all kinds of lung diseases, strokes, heart attacks, ultimately shortening people's lives. According to the Air Quality Life Index, the AQLI, India's extreme air pollution is cutting the average person's life short by 5.9 years. This means that solving extreme air pollution is one of the greatest challenges facing India today. So what could be done? Today, we are speaking with Gaurav Gogoi, an Indian member of parliament representing the Kaliabor constituency in the northeastern state of Assam. Mr. Gogoi is currently serving his second term in the Indian parliament, where he serves as the deputy leader of the Indian National Congress in the Lok Sabha. Over the years, Mr. Gogoi has developed a reputation for being a young leader and a passionate voice uh, addressing critical issues uh, that matter for economic development, like infrastructure investment, uh, resilience to natural disasters, reducing poverty and displacement, and countering extremism. In addition, he has been a vocal advocate for clean air in the Indian parliament, most notably calling for a total reform of India's existing and outdated air pollution laws. Gaurav, welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you, Kenneth. Thank you so much. So a couple of years ago, uh, and this was before the COVID-19 pandemic, I remember seeing a photo of you standing in front of the Indian parliament, wearing a mask uh, and holding a sign uh, that said, the government must act, bring a new air act. In retrospect, uh, you were ahead of the curve. You were probably the first parliamentarian in India to start wearing a mask. So I've got to ask you, what inspired you to take on this issue of air pollution at the national level? Well, Kenneth, thank you very much. I very early on saw a correlation between uh, air pollution and health. And uh, prior to that, air pollution, as was being reported in Indian media and debated in Indian policy circles, was an environmental concern. But I immediately saw a health intersection. And that uh, prompted me to be uh, more urgent about it, take more initiative about it. And uh, the 
the first few initiatives of mine were initially to bring the debate to the Indian parliament. And uh, I tried uh, many things uh, often every year around uh, winter, winter session. I would walk to the parliament wearing a mask, hold a sign. And as you rightly said, I was often the lone voice and it was an almost a, a solo effort. Uh, but then over the years, you know, I think we've I've managed to get a few more MPs on board. We are a, a group of uh, committed MPs. We formed our own group on clean air. We've met uh, the environment minister many times, and we've taken other initiatives. So I do see a lot more urgency. And thankfully, with all our efforts, we did end up having a debate uh, on air pollution in the parliament. And I do see the government of India, both at the center and at the states, taking the issue more seriously. So let's talk about the laws. So in 1981, India established a law, the Air Prevention and Control of Pollution Act. And this law has played a primary role in the regulation of air quality until now. Yet India remains extremely polluted today. So what is it about this law that hasn't worked? Well, first of all, this law uh doesn't look upon air pollution as health. And I think that's something I learned from my interactions uh, with the University of Chicago, with this, with its Delhi Center, that how the Air Act uh, in the Clean Air Act in the United States has in its preamble the mention of health, and that puts a certain amount of impetus on this subject. Uh, so I think that's what was needed. And obviously, uh, being a policymaker, I look at the institutions working in environment protection and air protection. And I saw that the institutions did not have uh, the enough teeth uh, in their functions, in their roles, in order to enforce uh, regulations more effectively. So therefore, I ended up bringing my own private member's bill. You know, we had our own bill, which was made in consultation with various think tanks and organizations made. And uh, uh, Kenneth, I'll be happy to update you uh, that, you know, on two occasions, I've had the government of India and the Environment Ministry reach out to me and said that you know they have taken a look at the member private members' bill on air pollution, uh, and they have managed to incorporate some of its functions uh, in a new, later act uh, that the government brought in earlier this year, uh, which primarily looks in and around Delhi. So I think, uh, I think I must congratulate all the civil society partners who helped me uh, in formulating that private member's bill because our aim is to nudge the government into action. Our aim is not to shame the government, but the, our aim is to nudge the government in the right direction. It is obviously a matter of national pride that so many of Indian cities feature on the on the top 20 list of most polluted cities in the world. So it's not only is a health issue, but it's gradually becoming an issue of, 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 of in global uh, respect for India. That's, that's amazing news and, and congratulations on just getting the wheels turning on, on progress on, on legislative reform. Uh, so it sounds like what you're saying is that the existing law said nothing about the protection of public health. And because that was missing, uh, the interests of polluters were often prioritized over the health of the people. Um, I'm curious, uh, in some of your recommended changes, are you also looking to add uh, cost-benefit analyses into the law so that 
when the government is evaluating uh, new pieces of regulation, they're actually assessing the, the costs of those, uh, those emissions reductions against the, the benefits that the society can achieve in terms of health gains? Well, we're advocating for uh, three major uh, approaches uh, in, you know, in, in my proposal. One is a multi-sectoral approach. Uh, the original Air Act had a role for the Ministry of Environment, but we know that the source to air pollution cuts across various ministries of uh, industry and housing and road transport as well. Because in Delhi, you know, the contribution to air pollution comes uh, from industry emissions, from construction, dust, and vehicle emission. So the, one of the proposals was to have a multi-sectoral, multi-ministerial approach, uh, which, uh, as I was happy to note, is being introduced by the government in its own version of the bill. The second is on research. Uh, there has to be periodic research uh, on the impact of air pollution on health. There's not enough Indian data or Indian research uh, materials showing the impact of health, uh, impact on health, as well as showing uh, the the, the benefit of certain pilot initiatives that various states uh, are taking on air pollution. So I often, in my communication with the ministry, with the minister, talk about uh, what the University of Chicago is doing in Surat as well, which is with the emissions trading scheme. Uh, and, I, and I ask for the government to do more research on these pilot initiatives. Even in another city of Indore, uh, when it comes to municipal waste emissions, they have done a fabulous job. Uh, another state like Sikkim has gone completely organic in terms of agriculture. So there's a whole set of initiatives that are taking place in states. So I often push for these models to be studied and evaluated and to be replicated if it is found applicable. And the third thing, as I said, was that, you know, we talked about health, we talked about uh, air pollution, but we also talking about polluters. And right now, what I had proposed, and there here is the divergence from, from the government's bill. The government in its current new bill, $140,000 is the max fine that a polluter can pay. And when we know the devastating impacts that, you know, a high polluter can have. So the principle that I'm pushing for is a proportionate that you identify uh, what proportion of, of harm a polluter is doing. And based on that proportion, you have a proportionate penalty. Uh, at the same time, or, uh, because so much of India is based on small and medium enterprises and the economic situation in the world and in India is not that positive. I also ask for the right set of incentives to be given to small industries, which is that if an industry or particular unit is found to be polluting, that instead of imposing a fine, which the, gov which the industry might challenge in a court, or might not have the wherewithal to pay, you also, the government can also withdraw some of its benefits and subsidies and welfare schemes that is providing. All in all, as I said, to nudge the industry uh, into action. Right. Um, <clears throat> when I think about the US Clean Air Act, one of the, the elements of it that, that really stands out is that the state governments uh, were required to develop state implementation plans uh, describing how they would bring their non-attainment counties uh, into compliance. Um, so I guess in India, this would be like the, the 
CPCB perhaps, or, or uh, maybe even this new commission that was created in the NCR region, uh, requiring each state to have uh, a cleaner action plan. Um, now, in the in the U.S. Uh, uh, law, if those plans were deemed to be inadequate, the EPA could actually withhold federal funding uh, for uh, air pollution control program, as well as other things like highway construction, uh, the construction of uh, sewage treatment plants. Is there something like that in India? And, and um, uh, if not, why aren't we talking about that? Well, there are two initiatives that are taking place in India, which is a bit similar. Uh, India, as you know, is very ambitious on climate change as a signatory to the Paris Treaty uh, and has focused a lot on renewable energy uh, and solar energy. So part of that uh, initiative means that every state in India has to have their state action plan on climate change. So in which they were already would be looking at how to cut emissions. Uh, secondly, uh, on specifically on clean air, the government has announced a national clean air program, which looks at the top 100 cities in India, which are the most polluting. And they're asking for the respective state governments to make city-based action plans. So this is relatively recent, the city-based action plans. This is maybe two years ago. And there is some amount of funding that has come from the center. But here is where I am asking for a lot more details because I, I want uh, the funding and the to be much more transparent into what it is going into, what has been the benefit so far, what has the progress on, of the plans, what is the quality of these plans. So I'm pushing the government uh, to be much more open and transparent on these city-based action plans. Um, before we finish, I want to talk about uh, the outlook for India. So you've mentioned that there has been a lot of progress since 2019. In fact, your private members bill uh, has uh, been a catalyst for some new discussions in government, and some of the changes that you called for have been reflected in this in this new uh, creation of the, the Commission for Air Quality Management in the National Capital Region. Um, but there are also there are also still uh, a couple things that that don't sound right. Like polluter pays, the fine is capped. That doesn't seem to make sense given the amount of damage that that that, that a polluter could could cause on the environment. So. Uh, Given that today, uh, the current ruling party, which is the BJP, uh, holds a uh, majority or large share of the seats in parliament, um, how, as a member of the uh, Indian National Congress, which is the other major party in India, uh, what do you believe must happen to get some of these other changes um, passed and, and uh, enacted into law? Well, Kenneth, uh, I think if there is one thing uh, that COVID has taught us is that the central government needs to work uh, in coordination with the state governments uh, to, to take on a, a national uh, issue of public health emergency. There has to be greater coordination. I think uh, at the central level, uh, whether you talk about the previous government or this current government, on climate change, there has been some initiatives on reducing emissions. There have been uh, some initiatives. Uh, but we have to encourage and incentivize our state governments a lot more. And the heads of states, you know, at the state level, at the provincial level, 
you know you call them governors we call them chief ministers in india we have to motivate them to take uh, the lead in their own states and uh, especially in india you you do realize that it is primarily the indo gangetic the states around the river ganga which are found to be the most polluting in terms of air pollution i i i i think we must work a lot more with the chief ministers uh, and get them uh, on board and that's something that i've been keeping harming uh, harping on and that's why we formed this uh, group group of parliamentarians on clean air as well because they come from different political parties some of some of their parties uh, might not be at the uh, part of the ruling uh, coalition in delhi at the capital but they are part of the ruling coalition in their states uh, and these mps can you know be a bridge uh, between what the center is doing and what other state governments can do so my focus r- right now is to get the state governments uh, moving i think the center has taken some steps we have to monitor the steps we need to ensure the implementation is on track but with the at the state level we need to you know get some momentum there also Well Gaurav uh thank you so much uh, once again I want to congratulate you for for driving change in the political system and in the laws uh in India to tackle this problem this has been great and and I wish you all the best thank you very much Kenneth Thanks for listening make sure to subscribe to off the charts wherever you get your podcasts including on Epic's website at epic.uchicago.edu until next time I'm Sam Mori